0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 155 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 7th of May 2017 entitled Two Eternal Abodes, Heaven and Hell, Part 1. And the Bible readings are taken from Jude verses 3 and 4 and Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 to 8. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Uh, Open your Bible to two places in the Word of God this morning. Uh, First of all, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And if you would just hold your finger there, turn back just a few pages to the book of Jude. We'll begin reading in, in Jude and then look in Revelation. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. If this thing gets to making noise, I'll just pause, let it finish, and then we'll go ahead. Amen. Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, if we look into Revelation chapter 21, and I'd like to read verses 1 through 8, which says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Father, thank you again for this time that we have. Thank you for your word. And Father, as we look at these thoughts this morning, Lord, I pray, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, that you would give us that which we need this day. And Lord, may we receive it, may we respond to it in whatever way we need. We will give you all the thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen. It's been a while since we departed from our series that uh, we've been uh, looking at for several years. Uh, in contending for the faith. And, of course, as we read there in the book of Jude, uh, we have been commanded to contend for that faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And, of course, as we looked at those thoughts some time back and we began to look at, okay, what are the foundational truths of that faith that we ought to be willing to Contend for, and so we've looked at a number of things since that time of those foundational, fundamental truths, and we move on to another one at this time, and we're going to be looking at what I certainly consider to be fundamental to the Christian faith, foundational to our faith, and that is that there are two eternal abodes, heaven. There are two places that everyone will spend eternity, heaven and hell. We just read about that here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, that there is coming that time when God is going to descend from heaven. He's going to descend with that new Jerusalem. God is going to make all things new, new heaven, new earth. We find that those that belong to Him, Those that overcometh is the word that's used here. And, and of course, we've looked all through Scriptures. We've talked before that the overcomers are those that truly, genuinely have been born again. Nobody will overcome in the flesh. It's only those that are truly called and belong to Him that are the overcomers. We find that those that overcome are those that are going to be with Him and be His children But then he goes through a whole list of those that are not the overcomers, those that have sin. We're given two destinations here that man will go, and it's one of those truths that must be faced by each and every one of us. And, of course, it's uh, many times there are many things that are unknown about them, and often the unknown is what frightens people. I read a story that declared that it took place several generations ago during a very turbulent time, which seems to have been most of the time in the wars that have taken place in the Middle East. And there during this war, a spy had been captured. And, of course, being a spy, he was sentenced to death by the Persian army. The general, a man of supposed great intelligence and at the same time a compassionate man, He'd come up with this very unusual and strange custom which he used often in these cases concerning those that had been condemned to death. He allowed that condemned person to make a choice. And of course, each and every one of us, if you'd allow me just to insert there, each and every one of us in ourselves, in our flesh, are condemned people. And we all face the death penalty. But this one that had been condemned and that faced that death penalty, he had a choice. And of course, the two choices were this. He could go out and he could put his back against the wall and he could face the firing squad, bang, 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 and he would be gone. Or he could enter through a black door that nobody knew what lay beyond that door. So the moment of execution came near and the the general ordered the spy to be brought before him and he had this short final interview, the primary person being that he was going to ask this question, what's it going to be? The firing squad or the black door? It wasn't an easy decision because nobody knew what lay behind that door. And as he stood there, he hesitated, but soon he decided that, well, he'd rather face the firing squad, knowing the horrors of that, than to face the unknown horrors that might be behind that door because nobody knew what was there. So not long after, he was backed up against the wall, and the firing squad took their shots. The shots rang out, and he was taken out of this world before the firing squad. The general, simply staring down at his boots, he turned to his aide and he said, you see how it is with men. They'll always choose the known over the unknown. It's characteristic of people to be afraid of that which is undefined, of that which they don't understand. And yet... I gave him a choice, and he made his choice. so the aide asked, what does lie behind the black door? The general's reply was, freedom. Freedom, but I've known very few men that were brave enough to take that choice. And I say that to say this this morning, that you know many people in this world, and I know it's not a perfect likeness, but Many, many people in this world do not know what lies beyond in the life following this one. They only know this life. And of course, the truth is, is that if we go to the Word of God, there are two things in the future that we know very little about. God has tried to enlighten us. And if you will, when we come to the end of this, without oversimplifying it, I hope that you'll grasp two things that are vitally important, some other things as well along the way, but that there are, there are two places, two places only, that every soul will spend eternity. Though we know very little about either of them, I believe that one thing we know with absolute certainty as we look at these other things, and that basically one is with God. With God. With life everlasting. In a place that we've read a few of the descriptions and we'll look at many more. The other is separated from God. Without God for all of eternity. Without God means without life. Now, we'll see, and I want to begin today by looking, first of all, at a place called heaven, a place called heaven. I will tell you without any shadow of a doubt in the beginning that I cannot even hope to describe to you what heaven or hell is really like. I could never find the words or the expressions to describe. The beauty, the wonder of living in a sinless, perfect place with our God, our Creator, our Holy God for all of eternity. As some of the songs we sing this morning, singing and praising and worshiping Him, I can't begin. We'll find in one of the passages that we look that it tells that eye hasn't, hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard what He has prepared for us yeah. in glory. But neither can I because we live in a day when many like to deny the existence of any kind of hereafter because they don't know and understand heaven doesn't make sense. A place where you live forever. A place where there's no sickness, no death. A place that there's no pain, no agony, no nothing. A place where it's just joy and bliss forever. They can't understand that because we've never known it. But neither can man understand the place called hell. Now I've said many times, and I want to say in the beginning, lest there be anyone that hasn't heard and may not understand. Your reward, your reward for accepting Jesus Christ as your your Lord and Savior is not heaven. And your punishment for not doing so is not hell. The simplicity of the Word of God tells us that the gift of God is eternal life. He says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're talking about two eternal abiding places. Every soul will spend eternity somewhere. Your gift as a child of God is life. Life will exist eternally in this place called heaven that we want to try to look at some things and begin to simply scratch the surface of the wonder of this place and what it is. And secondly, the horrors of hell. Many don't like to think of either. Because, you see, it makes us think of a lot of things. Either everybody, everybody, no matter how bad or how evil, how good or how anything that you are, everybody's going to go to the same hereafter, or there is no hereafter. or the horrors of hell cannot possibly be part of a belief in a loving God. It's not God's will that any should perish. I hope that over these next weeks you'll grasp and understand even more Because you can never, ever, ever make it too big when you begin to think of the love and the grace and the mercy of our God and what He's given you and what it's going to be like to spend eternity with Him. But we need to wake up and realize what eternity will be like without God, without life, in the horrors of the place called hell, separated from all that is good, Everything that you can ever possibly, your mind cannot imagine how good that heaven is, the perfection of it, but neither can it imagine the horrors of hell where all the sin and all the utter darkness of this world is at. I want to begin as we think of this place called heaven, first of all, and I want to just really, if we could just touch and do one thing this morning. And that's that I want you to grasp and understand, that there is a place called heaven. There is a place called heaven. Let me begin by just reading you a couple of passages. First of all, in Colossians chapter 3, and I hope as we go through that these verses will make more and more sense to you. In Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, If ye, if you, be risen with Christ, if you're a child of God today, you died with Him on Calvary, you rose with Him on the third day, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things above. On the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Turn back a few pages to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just pick up in verse, verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not, At the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Turn back just two books in your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. And of course, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, that very familiar Passage, as the Lord spoke, just before he was to be condemned and put on that cross, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And whether I go, you know. And the way, you know. You see, as we look at all of these passages We cannot, if we believe the word of God, we cannot doubt that there is a place called heaven. That it is a place that some are going to be for all of eternity. What is heaven? Where is heaven? There are many, many questions that may enter our minds about it. And of course, as we look into Scripture, we find a number of things. If you look back into Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us about the first heaven. You see, the Bible tells us of at least three places called heaven. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 8, here on the second day of creation, when God created The firmament. He says in verse eight, and God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. He tells us down in verse twenty of that same chapter, and God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature, abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament. Of heaven and we can look at many places even in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament that speak of this first heaven the first heaven is the place that God placed, which is what we look up and we see is our sky it's what first separated the waters the canopy that was over this earth from the earth below it's the place where the fowls fly where the birds fly and as we look up we can see the beauty of that first heaven then, the Bible also speaks of the second heaven. Still in the book of Genesis in chapter 22, he tells us in verse 17, he says that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. We find that even in Genesis chapter 1, where we read about the first heaven, there in that same chapter, look down in verse 14. He says and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, to divide the day from night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven, to give light upon the earth. And it was so, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule in day and the lesser light to rule in night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. In other words, God, first of all, gave us the first heaven to separate the canopy was there, that which is beyond this earth and the earth itself. But then we see that He gave us this second heaven, this second place called heaven, where He put the stars and the planets and the universe and all those others out there, our sun and our stars that bring light upon this earth. The first heaven. It's the sky within our atmosphere of this planet Earth that God has given to us where the birds fly. Man sees that. Man experiences that. We go through it sometimes. Some men have experienced the second heaven. When we go beyond this earth, and we get out into that what we call outer space where the stars, the moon, and those things are, that's the second heaven that God gave us but there is another heaven that God speaks of as well first of all in in the old testament in in first kings chapter 8 notice what God says here in verse 27 first kings chapter 8 and verse 27 the word of god says but Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. And then just a few verses down in verse 30, And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel, when they shall pray towards this place, and hear thou In heaven, thy dwelling place, and when thou hearest, forgive. The first heaven that God tells us about was the heaven that He created for us here on this earth. The second heaven is that which is beyond this earth in the space where we see the stars. But then the Bible tells us there's another place, a third heaven, where God Himself dwells. Now, we could look at a number of things, but I want to turn back to 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. I want to read one verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible tells us there in verse 9, But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that he's talking about heaven as what is prepared here? Well, we've already looked at some things. Jesus was going to prepare a place for us, and we'll be looking at some other things. But what I want you to realize is that this place that God has prepared for us is something that will never ever fully be able to grasp and understand there are by the wonders of God's prophecy and God's word God allowed the apostle Paul to get a little glimpse a little vision of that third heaven if you turn to second corinthians chapter 12 and the apostle paul tells us about that second corinthians chapter 12 He says, beginning in verse 1, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, first of all, he's saying, that you know, (laughs) I'm I'm not doing this to brag about it. (laughs) I don't have anything to glory in what I'm about to tell you. But God has allowed me to see some things. God has revealed some things to me. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. Paul doesn't even know this vision, this revelation that God has given to him. He doesn't even know if he was physically in his body or if he was out of his body. He really doesn't know. He says, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven, he says here. He says, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He said, Folks, he said, I'm not saying this to brag. By God's wonderful grace, God. He said, I don't even know if I was in my body or out of my body. He said, but God allowed me to see something that words can't even begin to describe to you. I can't even speak the words that would allow this. They're unspeakable words to describe what this place is like that I saw in the third heaven. Of course, we've already read from the book of Revelation and we know that the revelation, sometimes I think that they kind of titled it wrong because remember the titles were not part of the inerrant Word of God. Most of our Bibles say the revelation of St. John the Divine. Well, it was a revelation that was given to John, but it was a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ is what that, that the revelation was of. And we find that if you look into... Revelation chapter 4, and notice what John describes here. He says, beginning in in, in verse 1, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a, a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight likened unto an emerald, and you can continue to read as he declares this vision of what he saw when he himself was allowed to see into that third heaven where God dwells, where the throne of God exists. You see, there are some things that we know that that tell us clearly from what we've seen here. That heaven is not, as some people would have us to believe, it's not just some spiritual imagination. You know the term heaven gets used for so many things i mean you know sometimes we may have had a nice meal and then we go for that heavenly dessert <laughs> no it's just it's just heavenly we describe it as what do we mean when we're talking about that dessert being heavenly we mean it's just it's out of this world it's so wonderful it's phenomenal I don't think a dessert can really be heavenly, but we define it that way. We talk about experiences as having heavenly experiences. We use the word oftentimes to describe a state of being or a sense of something. But what I want us to grasp and understand, heaven is more than just a sense of wonder. It's more than just... Something, a sense of being, or anything like that. It is a literal place that is being defined for us, us here. God has defined to us that there is a place, a literal place, that is the first heaven that we look out and we see the skies above us and we see the birds flying, and that is our first heaven with all of its beauty. And then beyond that, there is the second heaven where we can see out and we can, we can see the stars and we can get our, our telescopes and we can look and we can send our, our, our spacecraft out into there where they travel for light years and light years and light years and they never get to the end of it. But yet that's all still the second heaven. The wonder of the second heaven that God created for us that we'll read of in the book of Genesis But the one that we want to talk about is that just as surely we can see, we can see the first heaven, and we can see the second heaven, but we can't see the third heaven. We can't see the place where God dwells, and those few, like Paul and John that he's given this revelation. Why did He do that? To give to us. He told Him to, to write these things down, to record these things for us. You see, we might be condemned people, but our general, our commander, our God, He's not just putting the door up there and saying, you don't know what's behind it. He's trying to define to us that even though we've never seen anything so wonderful and so beauty, and though there's not words to define it, He wants us to know to get a glimpse of what's waiting us behind that door, if we choose it. It's a literal place. It's not just a, a sense of utopia that is not a real place in the, in the life hereafter. We find that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, just as we've seen in some of these verses already, but notice... Here in part of what is probably entitled the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes in your in your Bible, look down in verse 34 at what the Lord Jesus spake. He said, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Don't swear. Don't swear by heaven because... That's God's throne. We know that it's a place where God's literal throne actually exists. We know that in the very next chapter, in chapter 6, verse 9, that it's not just an empty throne room either, okay? (laughs) He said, don't swear by heaven because it's the place where God's throne exists. But notice what he says in chapter 6, verse 9. He says, teaching us to pray after this manner. Therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in where? In heaven. Hallowed be thy name. It's a place, the location of God's throne. It's a place. That's the location of God the Father himself. It's a place that is the location Not only of God the Father, but of God the Son. Notice first of all in the Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 3. John chapter 3 verse 3 tells us very clearly, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, the Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus himself came down out of heaven. We find that we looked this morning in our study in in the Gospel of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. We find that the Bible teaches us that just as surely as Jesus came down from heaven, First Thessalonians chapter 1 teaches us that He not only came down once when He came to this earth as the Son of God, but we find that, praise God, He's coming again. He's coming again, and the next time that he comes, he's not coming alone like he came the first time. Second Thessalonians, notice what he says in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, he says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. He's praising this church for who they are, for the way that they've stood, that the way that they've endured. He says, which is a manifest manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing which God with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He's going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Notice what he goes on to say. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore, also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of of faith and power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is coming again. And when He comes the second time, He's not just coming on His own. But the Bible says He's coming with His angels. And He's not just coming as a Babe, in the manger. But the Bible teaches us that he's coming with a flaming sword. There will be judgment upon this earth. But you know, one of the other things that he teaches us also is that he's coming with his saints in glory. He's coming with his saints in glory. And I had that verse written down too, but I can't, uh, uh, can't uh, see where that I put it here now. <laughs> but he's returning with his angels, and he's returning with us when he comes to set up his kingdom upon this earth. And of course, if you look with me in First Peter chapter 1, 1, Peter chapter 1, notice what he says here, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, See, God has reserved that place for you. You find that again I would remind you that what the apostle Paul wrote to the church in First Corinthians chapter two and verse nine that heaven is a place. The third heaven is a place just as sure as the first heaven and the second heaven. The third heaven is there, but it's the one that I hath not seen, nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Heaven is a place, a literal place. The third heaven. As we look over these next few weeks, I want you to understand that It's not just any old place. It is a place that has been specifically prepared. Prepared by God. Jesus Christ went to prepare a place for you. A place that has been prepared. A perfect place that has been perfectly prepared for God's people. And I want you just to get a glimpse of the glory and the wonder Don't let anybody tell you that there is no place called heaven, that there is nothing beyond this life or beyond this world. Oh, no. They haven't seen it. They've never, no matter how much they've heard it described, they've never really heard just how wonderful that it is. But heaven is a literal place. It is a literal place where God the Father sits upon his throne, where the Lord Jesus Christ is there at the right hand of God. He ascended down from heaven to start with. When he came as a baby in a manger, he descended down to earth. He ascended back to glory when he left this earth, and he is coming again one day, and he's coming with his saints. And we look forward to that day that we find in a number of these passages that it is only those that belonged of him, that are called of him. Because there is another place that's real that we'll be looking at too. And that's the place where God doesn't exist. The place where you're eternally separated from God. And so we need to understand the reality and we need to stand upon the foundations. Don't let people take away the glory of God's word. And today, if you're here, and if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, We are all condemned before God, as we said in the very beginning. The sentence for our sins is death. That's just the reality. That's what sin brings, because sin separates us from God. It's not something that God said, oh, I'm going to do this. No. It's the natural thing. Life, if there's a place with life, there has to be a place with no life. The place with life is God. The place with no life is hell. We find that those that are separated are separated because of their sin. Today, you don't have to be separated from God. You don't have to be separated now. You don't have to be separated in eternity. Because Jesus Christ came to reconcile you, to bridge that gap that no man could cross. And today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you can know, you can know that your destiny, because God gives you the gift of eternal life, life that will last forever. And that life that will last forever will be in a place called heaven. And we'll talk some more about where that place is located and, and all of those things, but today, heaven is real. It is a place that God has given to us. It is a place where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. If you're his child, we're going to stand. We're going to sing together the words of this hymn softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling from the portals of heaven today. He's calling to you. The chorus says, come home, come home. Is your home in heaven? Can you call heaven your home? If not, then you can today. But this one is your choice God has told you what's behind these doors, but the choice is yours. And today, if you want to enter into heaven, the door is Jesus Christ.